You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Robbie Quintero. All right, all right. What's up, City Tribe? How are you guys doing today? Man, awesome, awesome, awesome. Like Abel said earlier, you know, we have a new church name. It's exciting. Um, Let's just go ahead and just honor Doug. Give him a round of applause for taking us through that process. Man, because it was well done. I'm so honored to follow that guy, and, and, you know, we all should be. And so um, let's go ahead and pray together, and we'll go ahead and get started. So, Lord, I just thank you so much for today. Um, I thank you for the opportunity to come together and just, you know, learn about you and just to be in in tribal community with each other. Lord, I, I thank you for the tribe that you allow us to be a part of. And God, right now, I pray that you just give us open ears, open hearts, open minds for the words that you have to speak to us today. And so, God, we love you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, oh, come on. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Here we go. So, you know, there's a little girl. Her her name's Susie, and she's seven years old. And um, one day, Susie's mom picked her up from school. And as they were driving home, Susie saw the exit for McDonald's. And... Of course, naturally, what most seven-year-olds would do is she begged her mom, Mom, can we go to McDonald's? Mom, 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 can we go to McDonald's? Mom, mom, mom. And, and um, Susie's mom said no. And then she says this, and this is the most infamous line that any parent has ever said for thousands of years, we have food at home. <laughs> yeah, I know, liars. Okay, and so then, so, then, so then Susie, who didn't believe her mom's obvious bluff, went on to say, Mom, please, if you buy me a Happy Meal, I will be the happiest girl ever. Please, I won't complain about anything ever again. And so, you know, giving in, as parents do, uh, she pulled over. She bought her kid a Happy Meal so that her kid would just, like, stop talking. And then she gave Susie the Happy Meal, not without saying, there, are you happy now? And Susie's like, yes, thank you. And so as Susie, as you know, later on that month, uh, Susie's dog ran away. And what would be a devastating moment uh, for any seven-year-old child was actually a moment of happiness. Why? Because of her Happy Meal. Yeah, you guessed it. And, 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 and Susie's mindset was, I said I was happy. Now nothing is going to steal the joy that the Happy Meal gave me. And, you know, Fast forward five years and Susie's parents are, you know, going through a little rough patch and they ultimately ends up in this divorce. And, you know, what would be just devastating for a middle school student was actually fine because Susie had her Happy Meal. And that Happy Meal, you know, she, she thought of that Happy Meal. She says, no, I'm happy now from, you know, that meal that I got five years prior. And then, you know, fast forward you know, further ahead in Susie's life, she graduates high school. Um, she doesn't really get into the college she wants to go to. And then she ends up working at a job she really doesn't care for. And, um, and then, you know, as life goes on, Susie's life kind of gets a little harder and harder. And her, her marriage is now falling apart right before her eyes when Susie declares, I am happy now because of the Happy Meal. The story's ridiculous, right? That's a ridiculous story. We, we can be honest. Well, one, because it's made up. Like, I made it up. Susie's not real, okay? Susie, if Susie was real, it'd be like, let's put her in a museum because it's ridiculous. Like, we need to study her, you know? Like, what's wrong with her? But, but it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Right? We can all agree with that. It is a ridiculous story. There is no way a happy meal will sustain somebody with happiness for that long in her life. 
And so we say it's ridiculous, but all of us at some point have been Susie at one point in our lives. Because we've all said this. We've all said this, this phrase in our hearts to our spouse, whoever. When I get that, then I will be happy. When I get there, then I will be happy. Now, I'm not going to go through a list of things that you could have possibly said, because as soon as I say this, this, uh, this sentence, then you know in your heart and in your mind exactly what that thing is, because you've been thinking about it since the moment you became an adult, right? You've been thinking about, um, you've been thinking about that thing. And so what happens is that we chase after Happy Meal, after Happy Meal, with the hopes that we will finally fulfill a happiness that we so badly are trying to fulfill. And it doesn't help that we live in this culture that is constantly telling us that, that is constantly telling us that you know, we need to compare our lives to one another, that we need to look at you know, Instagram models and Instagram you know, famous people and say, like, man, that's, that's what happiness is like. I mean, look at them, right? Or, or if you're like me, you go on Pinterest and compare your living room to other people's living rooms, and, and you think to yourself, like, man, one day when I, one day I'm going to have an all-black living room, and it's going to be awesome. You know, like, all of a sudden you have this mindset for Older folks who don't know what Pinterest is, it's okay. You know, we're, you know, this is a family friendly. And you have HGTV that you go on. You're like, my yard's going to have that fountain one day, and it's going to be awesome, right? And we, and we do this because what the culture is telling us is that what we really need to be happy is more. Right? We need more, more and more. And this isn't a new uh, concept by any means. And, you know, I, I want to, I, I want to, you know, point your attention to this. Like, like for years, you know, we have been studying on how to accomplish that happiness that we so badly want uh, to accomplish. And I want to say it's not a bad thing to desire happiness for your life. Like, I want to make that very clear because, you know, we, one of our motivations and hopes in this series, Happy Now, is that you can finally achieve a level of happiness that will sustain you and give you the fullest life possible. Um, but, but, you know, the question is, like, why aren't we actually happy? I mean, because I know like, there's a lot of really smart people out there, and we've accomplished a lot of stuff, and it's awesome. So why, why, what is keeping us from achieving that happiness? Well, there was a study once um, by the University of Massachusetts where they attempted to answer this question, and that's a tough question to answer. And so they took two groups of people. They took a group of people who just won the lottery, and then they took a, people, a group of people who had just experienced this like, catastrophic accident and are now like paraplegic or quadriplegic, and, and, they, and they took them through this study. And uh, in the interviews, the experimenters, uh, they, they took the two groups and they asked, among other things, to rate the amount of pleasure that they got from everyday activities. You know, small but enjoyable things like chatting with a friend, um, eating breakfast, hearing a joke, watching TV, um, receiving a compliment. And what the study found was that the people who experienced the accident actually were measuring higher levels of happiness than the people who had won the lottery, which blew my mind. It may not blow your mind, but it blew my mind because I was like, oh, money can fix a lot of problems in my life. You know, so like I, I, was, you know, I was feeling the same thing. So then um, the authors, they, they put it like this. They said, as lottery winners become accustomed to the additional pleasures made possible by their new wealth, these pleasures should be experienced as less intense and should no longer contribute um, very much to their general level of happiness. And basically what this means is that new things are exhilarating. New things in life are exhilarating, right? They're exciting until the novelty of them wears off, which is why the dream job that you landed made you happy for a time, but now the the commute 
to that job has become a regular annoyance. It's why that new outfit that you got last week is awesome and exciting until it becomes out of season. So next year it's last season's style. It's why that 75-inch TV that you're going to get this Black Friday will become an 85-inch TV next Black Friday. It's, it's why moving in with him or her was exciting. It was supposed to fix all your problems, but now you've woken up to his snoring for 10 nights in a row, and, you, and you've been picking up after her, and it's starting to get frustrating in that. Basically, we as human beings, if we can be honest, tribe, is that we are terrible at forecasting what is going to make us happy and for how long it'll make us happy. And so this was kind of discouraging to me because I felt like, well, is, is happiness like unattainable, right? Can we not uh, you know, attain this happiness for us? Are we always going to be chasing after and chasing after, you know, the, the happiness in life? Um, and so, you know, what I kind of realized was that this is not anything new. You know, from the beginning of time, you know, we've, we've had people that have been chasing after the same happiness that, that we're currently chasing right now. In fact, you see this, you know, at the beginning where Adam and Eve, right, God gave them literally everything that they needed to be happy with, um, yet they still wanted more. And just like you and me, you know, they were convinced that they, what they really needed to be happy was more. And they were convinced by way of a serpent, right, who is our common enemy and and the devil who whispers these lies in your ear that what you really need is that. What you really need is more. You don't have enough. You don't have this or that or maybe whisper lies about you and try to convince you, right, that you are a mistake. And so you need that thing to make you feel better or you are always going to mess up or you're always going to, you know, live in this poverty mindset. You're never going to break the chains that are in the cycles that your family has put you through. you're going to end up just like your parents and he'll convince us convince us that what you need is that and that to make you happy to fill that void in fact he's described in John 10 10 as a thief that comes only to steal and kill and destroy that's it that's his sole purpose it's to do that to your life and he does that by by way of the culture that tries to convince you man you need more fall into this mindset that if I have that thing, that everything in my life is going to be fixed, when in reality we know this, that it's not. And so I don't think we're actually searching for happiness, though happiness is a result of what we're searching for. But I do believe that we are searching and seeking for a joy, which is completely, not completely, but very different in the sense that happiness is completely based off your circumstance. So we know that every single moment of our lives is not a very happy moment. I mean, some of you guys got trapped by the train today and you said so many words that you would not say in here, right? It wasn't a happy moment, but you guys um, are here. And so, so this joy and this joy that transcends all circumstance and all understanding that you can just, you know, lean on and say, okay, you know what? Even though my life isn't going to plan, I'm still joyful because there's this positive outlook on my life. And so today we're going to, you know, learn together on how to achieve that joy. And so turn to your neighbor, tell him, get your joy back. All right, now turn to your second option, say, get your joy back. All right, and the way we're going to do that is we are going to endure. We are going to endure until you enjoy. You're going to endure until you enjoy. Let me explain. Um, the first way that we're, that we're going to, to do that is, is that we are going to, well, one, we need to know the source, 
right? We need to know exactly where it's in because right now all we're doing is we're turning from happy meal to happy meal, trying to find the source of joy when, the, when, when we just need to know what that source of joy is. Luke 10, 21 says this, at that time, Jesus, full of joy, everybody say joy, through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Um, often, and, and really oftentimes, you know, what we see here is where the Holy Spirit is, we're going to find joy. It's all throughout Scripture. Where the Holy Spirit is, you're going to find joy. And so really in order to obtain, you know, this joy, we have to know the source of that joy, which is the Holy Spirit. You know, you have God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you know, all three in one. And, and when you, you know, receive that Holy Spirit, when you choose, and, and for our spiritual investigators, like if you are not really bought into this, and this is kind of weird, like this is kind of one of, the, one of those weird things that kind of caught me off guard too when I was, you know, learning about God, was that, that, you know, when you believe in who Jesus is, right, God in human flesh, who was born of woman, who uh, lived a perfect life and died as a sacrifice for you and for me and for all, you know, and to really be a bridge between us and God, and that when we receive him into our lives, that we now have his intimate connection and relationship with the one who created us. And that's, you know, it's so significant and so special because, you know, when you receive that, you are given um, what Scripture calls the Holy Spirit that literally dwells inside of you and, and helps you, right, through inspiration and convictions to kind of guide you along to your best life possible or your fullest life. And what's significant about that is when you know the source of joy, then you know the voice of joy. You know the source and you know his voice. I mean, after Adam and Eve, they, they, you know, ate this forbidden fruit, right? It was a big deal. And, and you know, what they, before they did that, they were naked. They felt no shame. But afterwards, they, you know, freaked out because they realized how naked they were. And so they covered up and they hid. And then they have God here now who's walking through the garden, who's calling out to Adam, you know, where are you? And now you have Adam and Eve who, instead of enjoying all the things that God had given them, are now hiding because they are ashamed of what they have done. And I, and I imagine, friends, that we have some of you who, who have walked in today and you're literally hiding from your tribe. You're hiding from God because you are so ashamed and, and embarrassed about maybe something that you have been convinced about yourself, something that you have done or have done to somebody else. Or maybe because of something that you are convinced about God, that, that he would be upset at you, that he doesn't love you, that he, you know, wants to just, like, tell you what to do and, and you know, not, not allow you to have like a, a fun, awesome life because you believe these things. So now you're hiding from God. And, you know, I, I want to encourage you that I believe if you choose to step out of hiding the way Adam did, that when you come face to face and, and when, when you admit to God, hey, God, I, I hid because I was ashamed of this. I was ashamed of what I've done, that you have a God who I believe would respond in this way, the same way that he responded to Adam in Genesis 3. You can read me and say, he says, well, who told you that you were naked? Right? Who told you that you were a mistake? Who told you that what you did was too bad? Who told you that you're going to end up like your parents? Like, who told you these things? Who told you? Because I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you these things. And one of the most significant things about knowing the source of joy is hearing his voice and knowing what he says about you. That you are beautifully and wonderfully made, that you are a masterpiece, that nothing you do, you know, have done or ever will do will ever separate you from how much he loves you. I mean, these are things that you, you can recognize and know. And so that the moment that the enemy tries to whisper in your ear a lie about you or tries to convince you something about God that's not true, that you can stop it and remind yourself, well, who told me these things? 
because I know the source of joy and he doesn't speak to me that way. In fact, every day before I leave the house, I have to literally declare these things over my life, the truths of God over my life, or I'm going to go crazy because this world is insane. It's crazy. And so as I, as I, before I leave the house, before I start my day, I, I, I read this over my life, and I'm just going to share it with you guys, too. I, I read this. I say, Jesus is first in my life. I exist, I exist to serve and glorify him. I love my tribe, and I will lay down my life to serve it. I love people and believe the best about others. I am disciplined. You know, Jesus in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I'm growing closer to Jesus every day. And because of Christ, my family is closer. My body is stronger. My faith is deeper. My leadership is sharper. I am creative, driven, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the, because the Spirit of God lives inside of me. I'm a hero maker. I develop students who believe, who I believe can and will make a difference and pain is my friend. You know, I rejoice in suffering because Jesus suffered for me. And today I will do anything like I do everything with all that I have because the world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. I have to say that over my life. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing, to take time right before you start your work week, take time, sit with the Lord and say, hey, you know what? I want to, I just, and, and this can be like, it doesn't have to be that difficult. All you have to do is say, Google, what does God say about me? Bam. And then it's like, here's a list of things of, of how God feels about you. And it's amazing. And it's, and it's beautiful. And it, it's, it's great. And I want to encourage you to sit down and, and write something out and declare it over your life. Declare it over your family. Right? Declare it over your children and your chihuahuas. Whatever you got to do, just declare it over your life. And here's the thing. It's going to be awkward at first. It's, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Um, I remember when I first started doing this, I, I, it was, I was saying something over my life that I didn't necessarily believe yet. It was weird. I was, I was saying something that, I, that was, was apparently true about me, but I just didn't believe it. Um, and, 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 you know, you may experience the same exact thing. I mean, um, it's, it's kind of like when I started taking Spanish class when I was uh, in ninth grade, I, was, I, I remember I, I didn't know anything about Spanish and still don't, by the way. But like I learned a little bit while I was in school. Um, and, and I remember I was so excited to, to show my grandmother, who was, is from Mexico, from Guadalajara, and she, and she speaks like, you know, nothing but Spanish. And, I, and so I wanted to communicate with her. And so I was excited. So I was, I was finally learning. And so I would take what I learned at school home and I was say, Grandma, let's do this. Like, you know, give me some Spanish, right? And so um, she would ask me, and I would hear her in Spanish, and then I would translate what I think she said in my head to English, and then I would then respond in my head in English, and then I would translate that in English to Spanish, and then I would respond to her in Spanish with the hopes that, like, I didn't offend her, you know? I was just like, here you are, Spanish, right? And then, um, and at first, it was awkward, it was uncomfortable, because I was making no sense, you know? But then something clicked, something happened to where I got home, she spoke to me in Spanish, I heard her in Spanish, and then I responded in Spanish, and it was like a big deal, and the excitement that we both shared together was like, oh my gosh, you did it, and I was like, I know, right, it's exciting, and, and it, it was a big deal, and it, it wasn't a big deal because I could finally like order at a Mexican restaurant where I had Spanish-speaking employees, like that was also huge, um, but, but it was because of this, and I don't want you to miss this, it was because I was finally able to communicate with somebody who really, really loved me. I was able to communicate with somebody who, who had the biggest heart for me. And the moment that that, that that clicked, I was able to, for the first time in my life, hear my grandma for who she really was. I was able to hear her, her God-given voice for the first time. And it was beautiful. 
And on top of that, my entire perspective about her completely changed from that point forward. And I believe the same thing can happen with you. The, the moment, the moment that you start speaking the truth of God over your life, you know, it will be awkward at first, but something will click. There will be a breakthrough that will happen that you will speak the truth of God into your life. You will hear that truth and then you will live that truth because you know without a doubt that it is true about you. And so endure that awkwardness. Endure that until you enjoy it. Endure it until you enjoy it by knowing the source, hearing his voice. You know, the second way that we're going to endure until we enjoy is we're going to trust the purpose. We're going to trust the purpose. You know, this past uh, summer, and really just about every summer, we take um, a group of students through our, our student internship program. And, um, we, and typically what we do is we'll, you know, we'll do things around the church and we'll do things for, for city youth. Um, and one of the things that we do is we go work out in the mornings. And it's like at 6.15 in the morning. It's ridiculous. They're always mad at me, but it's fine, whatever. And I remember the first three days that we worked out together, um, every student like walked in, and myself included, we walked in uh, on, on, that Thursday, on that Wednesday, and we were just so sore. We are just like, this hurts so bad. And we were just like, we're just kind of just moving, and we're just, Ugh, right? And so we were there, and, and I remember I felt so like sore and in so much pain. And then I would look in the mirror and I'd be like, oh man, I'm still fat. You know, like this is crazy. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, but, but you know, there isn't a moment, there isn't a moment that I walk into the gym and I feel sore and I complain about it that, that my coach, Coach Malcolm, he, he looks at me and he goes, man, it's because you're getting stronger, you know? And, and, and basically what he's reminding me is that there is a purpose behind the pain because pain always comes before results. Pain always comes before the results, which is why people that experience like the, mo- the maximum amount of joy are, are people who can see the purpose in their pain. You know, James chapter one says this, consider it pure joy. And there's that word again, my brothers and sisters, that whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And so let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, not lacking anything. And nobody did that better than Jesus. I mean, Hebrews 12 tells us this. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the cross. I'm going to explain it. I mean, that word endure is not a fun word. It's not, because you literally have to go through whatever it is is in front of you. You have to endure you have to endure, and Jesus endured the cross, and that word cross and joy should never be in the same sentence, yet Jesus was able to see the purpose in his pain, even if that meant staring you know, straight at the cross and having to endure that cross. And I think sometimes we have this, this mindset and this, this you know, kind of like expectation that when we go through something tough, we're not allowed to, to share it with people. We're not allowed to show people around us, our tribe, our, our family, God, that we're, that we're struggling, that we're struggling. And, and you know, we're not really allowed to show them one weakness. Now, and I see this because, you know, you guys walk in here, and I know I'm not the only one that walks in with, like, burdens and stuff, and you guys walk in here, and music's going, or I'm preaching, and you're just sitting there, and you have your arms crossed, and you're like, I'm hard, like, like this is me, you know, like, I'm, nothing's going to get through here, you know, like, but we know, like, you're, you're crying on the inside, and that's okay, because we're crying with you, you know, and you're not alone, um, you're not alone 
in that. And Jesus, man, he endured the cross because on the other side of his cross was joy. On the other side of the cross was joy, was his purpose. And so when you experience something tough, like don't avoid it, don't go around it, don't go on top of it, but go through it, endure it, trust that there is a purpose for the pain in your life. You know, we want to know the source. We want to, we want to trust, trust that purpose. And, and lastly, the, the, my final point today, and, and we're almost done, so some of you guys are enduring this sermon, and it's okay, you're almost there, is that we have to put on praise. We have to put on praise because, because it's, it's when we praise that God puts our pain into perspective. I mean, have, have you guys just, I mean, you, you don't have to raise your hand, but, but have you ever walked in? Have you ever just walked through life and you felt just so much pain and it was just, it's just weighing heavy on you and it's, it makes you sad, it kind of bums you out and you don't know how to shake it and you're just like, I have no idea how to get out of this just funk, man. Like, it's, it's just the worst. Well, well, God gives us this prescription and that prescription is, is simply praise. I mean, look at Isaiah 61. He says this, um, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. And so what it's saying is you, you literally have to exchange the spirit of despair for a garment of praise. Then you have to choose to put it on because praising God, it's a, it is a choice. Like you have to choose to do it. I mean, and, and here's the thing. It's always going gonna, gonna to be like counterintuitive. Because, because, I mean, I have to do this all the time. You know, when I, when I uh, you know, being, being a pastor, it's, it's pretty tough because not only do I have to, like, put up with my own stuff, but then I have to, like, put up with you guys. And it's just, like, it's tough. But, but I love it, and I love you guys, and, and it's, it's such a blessing. But I get in these moods where I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I, I just, I have just so much heaviness. And so I have to literally put on praise. I put my headphones on. You know, I blast Caleb or whatever, you know, praise music that I have queued up on my phone, and, and I praise. And I know what some of you guys are thinking, but, like, it doesn't match my mood. That's the point. You know, it's not supposed to match your mood. You know, because when I'm feeling down, I have to put on music that is up. Because if I believe that praise is a prescription, then I have to literally put on praise. I have to put on praise. Because if I don't, then I allow pain, the pain in my life to be my perspective. And if you've ever, you know, worked out of the perspective of pain, you know that life is very, very difficult to do. And, and so I have to allow praise to be my perspective, because if I don't, then I'm going to miss out on the blessings that, that maybe God has for me that day. And, and for some of you guys, you know, you, you miss out every Sunday you come here and you sit there and your arms are crossed and, and, you, and you don't participate in worship and you don't you know, really engage with the message because you're choosing to put on the pain that somebody caused to you or somebody said about you or that maybe that you have caused somebody else. And you sit there and you just, you, and you just have your arms crossed and, and we see you. You know, we see you and we, we pray for you because we, we want you so badly to, to just let that go and, and to put on the praise because, and give God the opportunity to put that in perspective. Because when you do, man, it's, it is just incredible what could, you know, possibly happen. And now if, if you're in here and you're just like, but I don't sing very good, but it's okay. Just shout really loud. Nobody's going to care. They're going to think you're excited, you know. Um, if, if you have like this, this like very like machismo, like, you know, I'm hard, like nobody can, you know, get through me. And if I praise, this is the moment of weakness. Well, I just want to encourage you, just forget what people think for a second, because you have this pain. You don't want to carry it anymore. So let's just lift it up and just give it to Jesus. Because, because here's the thing, you are not designed to carry 
that pain. And as long as you keep trying to carry it, you're always going to have it. And it's always going to just totally destroy and weigh you down. And you're thinking, I get it. I know. I know. I know what it's like to not want to participate in this because it's, it's awkward. You know, it's just like it's just like speaking Spanish. It's hard. It's awkward. You know, but, you know, when I, when I was uh, first coming around church, I was 16 years old. I, I lived in Austin, Texas, and I started going to this, this small youth group um, out in Austin, a, a church called Promised Land West. And we were in a small event center and we, we would walk in and they would have praise and worship music. And I would stand there and I'd be like, yeah, this is not for me because, you know, I'm good. And the only time that I would ever sing was if the pastor's daughter was standing next to me. Because I would try to impress her, you know. Just, and here's the thing, I wouldn't even sing the song. I would just put her name in the song and hoping that she would hear me. And so I would, I would say like, oh, how he loves her, how he loves Zoe so, you know. And it's, it's a bold move. It didn't work. It was a bold move. Don't get me wrong. But as soon as she would get annoyed and leave, I would just stand there again. Oh, man, nobody wants me, you know. But, but the truth was, and the, and the reason why, why I didn't participate was because, you know, I, I was a 16-year-old kid in Austin, Texas, who since he was 12 had come from a broken family. And, you know, I chose every single day for four years to put on the pain that my parents' divorce caused me. I mean, I was, I felt rejected. I felt like I was unlovable. Um, I felt like, you know, like, like my parents didn't want me. Like, it, it just so many feelings had just kind of sat on me. And I just so badly just wanted to feel wanted. And then on top of that, I was like mad at God because I was like, you brought me through this. Like, you you did this. You know, kind of like Adam did when uh, when uh, God asked him, like, you know, who told you you're naked? Did you eat the fruit? And he was just like, well, the woman that you put here with me gave it to me. It's your fault. You know, and, and, I, and I imagine some of you guys are, are like that too. Like, God, if you're so good and you're so great, then why did you bring me through this? Why would you allow me to go through this pain? And I, and I, felt, I felt that. And I so badly wanted it. And so as I was, I was, as I was trying to impress this, this girl, you know, something clicked. Something clicked. And I started, the words that I was singing to impress a girl were actually words that I started to listen to. And I was singing about a God who loved me and who was for me and who cared like crazy about me and who wanted me and more than anything in the entire world I wanted to be wanted and now I have this God who's saying well I want you and I and I know that you know for some of you you don't know that God and that's okay you know maybe you've you've hid from him for for a long time maybe you've pushed him away like this is not for me I'm good and that's fine but but he knows you and he sees you and he loves you. And here's the thing, he wants you. He wants you. And so right now what we're going to do is, I mean, we're, we're going to bow our heads. We're going to pray together. And if, if you, you know, are ready to step into that relationship and step into, you know, a, a relationship where, where you're, you know, getting to know the source of joy that you're getting to know the one who has purpose behind every single moment of pain in your life when you're getting to know you know the one that if you just put on praise to him that he'll pour down blessings to you then, then let's let's pray together and i'm gonna give you this opportunity and then i'm gonna give you an opportunity to, to put on praise together as a tribe and so so god i just thank you so much for for today i thank you for for every single person here if anybody walked in here and they're just like man i i want to know you I want to know who you are. I want to know 
you know, the joy that you have for me, like I want to know you, then it's just about the belief in their heart, the confession of their mouth, that Jesus is your Lord. And so that's you. You can repeat this to your heart. You can repeat this in your head. You know, you can say it out loud. So that's you. you can say, Jesus, up until this point, I acknowledge that my life has kept me from you, that I have been hiding. I've been hiding from you because I was honestly afraid of what you think about me. But today I choose to step into a relationship with you. I choose to come out from hiding. And I choose to believe in who you are and what you've done for my life. And I acknowledge that from this day forward, I no longer have to hide about from my shame anymore. I no longer have to, you know, um, hide from you. But instead I can walk with you through every single moment of my life. God, I lift up every single person here that is going through something tough, that, you know, has been carrying, that knows you, but is still choosing to carry that pain alone, and that they, right now, take an opportunity to fully trust you and give it all to you. And so, Jesus, we love you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. It's your name you pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So let's stand up together all around this room. Let's just stand up together. I'm going to ask you to do something bold right now, okay? It's going to be awkward for some of you guys because you have never put on praise before, and this is going to be weird, but I want everybody in this entire room to lift up your hands. And this is a symbol that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I've gone through, no matter what happened yesterday, no matter what's going to happen tomorrow, no matter what I'm going through right now, no matter what anybody has said to me or that I've said to anybody else, despite the pain that somebody has caused me that I've been carrying around for far too long, despite whatever that my mom or my dad said to me or whatever that person has done to me, I am choosing right now to put on praise because it's when I put on praise that, that Jesus sees me and he takes it from me and I get to acknowledge that Jesus, you put that in perspective, you put my pain in perspective because without you, I am nothing but with you, I am everything. So, so guys, let's put on praise together. You sing as loud as you've ever sang before with no shame because Jesus is here and he's ready to take your pain and he's ready for you to celebrate. So let's sing right now. Come on, guys. Hey, lift a shout of praise to the Lord. Lift a shout of praise to the Lord. Man, endure. Endure it. Endure until you enjoy. Endure until you enjoy, right? Know the source and trust his purpose. Trust the purpose. Put on praise even when it's against your mood. Because here's the thing, though the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus has come so that you can have life and life to the full. And that's our heart for you, City Tribe. You know, our, our, our heart for you and our hope for you is that you no longer are bound by the snakes of shame, but you walk in freedom and you live life to the full. So high five the person next to you, tell them joy looks good on you. Take a seat. Take a seat. We're going to close up. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.